This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Talking Devils podcast, brought to you by TalkingDevils.co.uk, your number one independent Manchester United podcast. Hope everyone had a lovely Christmas and also a happy new year as well. But we're talking about Manchester United. It's almost 2021 going into 2022. Uh, what can we say? We didn't start off the new year in a positive tone, but I am joined here today by two former Manchester United players, Mr. Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence. I'm here, here, here today to talk all things Manchester United. We're going to talk about all the latest news. We're going to re- review the Wolves game. We're also going to talk about Aston Villa coming up um, this Monday in the FA Cup. Obviously, the FA Cup being very special for many people associated with Manchester United, especially you know, two lads hold the FA Cup kind of deal really close to them as well. And look who else doesn't love the FA Cup. It is a fantastic competition traditionally. So we're going to break that down. We're going to talk about the FA Cup competition in itself as well and what that can mean um, to our seasons. But before we get into, the, I suppose, nitty-gritty in terms of Man United, because there's a lot of things to break down here today. First of all, Phil, haven't seen you since last year. Um, yeah, did you have a good Christmas? How, how did you get on over the Christmas period? Yeah, good Christmas. Thanks, Keen. Um, just obviously spending time with the, the family and um, you know stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a good Christmas, obviously. Nice to just have a bit of downtime and, you know, have a drink and just sort of, uh, you know, watch the kids with, with the presents and all that. So I'll carry on. But, yeah, no, I had a good time and, and obviously a nice rest, obviously, from work. So, yeah, good. Do you know what? I was just about to say, when you said rest from work, I was thinking, what's that? Because I was working the whole way through Christmas. And for me, my, my Christmas started on the, on the 1st of January. That's when I had my first day off. So, yeah, Christmas started for me in the new year and then, my United didn't give me a good Christmas at all. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully in these next couple of months it will be good. Um, Lee, um, obviously you had your celebrate Christmas as well. You were obviously with your family as well. How how did that go on? How did that go for you? Evening, boys. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, um, absolutely fine, mate. We had a great Christmas. To be quite honest with you, I'm supposed to be in uh, Spain at this moment in time over at my cousin's. Um, so we got a bit of bad news between uh, Christmas and New Year with my boy being single job that we couldn't get over there. So um, I'm really supposed to be on my holidays now. Instead, I've been uh, back at work this week. So we've had a great Christmas break, but it could have been better. I could have been in Spain by now, sunning myself. You could have been sunny Spain, you know, That's over it. there at Mino Raiola, maybe negotiating a few contracts, maybe for the United players coming in the summer. You could have been doing that as well. 
Well, yeah, uh, we definitely need a few hate books light, don't it? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? On that topic, we're going to get straight into it because obviously, look, last year we didn't end 2021 in kind of a positive fashion, really. Do you know, results were going up and down. The football wasn't great under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer towards the end of his tenure, but also since Ralph Ragnick come in, like, let's be honest, I think we've only kind of had one half hour of really good football under him, and the rest has been kind of what we've seen for the rest of the season. Um, Phil, obviously, I think the game that stands out for us mostly because it's it's the first defeat will be the Wolves game. Um, now, look, it's a one-nil defeat, and look, when you look at the performance, very disjointed, you know, lack of cohesion. It's been kind of the same old that we've seen all season. But for you, in terms of body language of some of these players, in terms of lack of work rate, you know, not chasing the ball down, you know, kind of players... Not so much digging each other out, but almost, you know, putting each other down and, you know, there's no communication, no encouragement there. What do you see in that Wolves game that would really have worried you, considering, look, Ralph Ragnick is, is a, a new manager and he's coming in with new ideas. And it almost looks like this system and the way, we, the way he wants us to play, the players are not buying into it at the minute. Everything, if I'm honest, I think you know, th there's there's no hiding away from you know how poor we was against Wolves, um, and it's been it's been sort of that way, you know, not just in that game, but we've seen signs of this coming for you know months now, especially from you know some of the players. I think it's clear to see that you know confidence levels are rock bottom with a lot of the players. You know, there doesn't seem to be any sort of cohesion and team spirit. You know, a lot of the, the players were doing, you know, some some stuff I was seeing, it was it was like so amateurish. You know, some of the stuff, it, it's like basic, you know, at any level of football to, to be able to pass a ball five yards and, you know, to just run around and put a bit of effort in and, you know, seem like you want to be there. We, we, we wasn't even getting that from, from some of the players at some points in that game. And I think, you know, that that's really worrying signs for me. And... You know, I, I couldn't really take any positives from from that Wolves game, bar obviously Phil Jones, who, who I thought, you know, after such a long layoff, you know, credit to him, he, he's took a lot of stick, and you know, he's he was probably the only player out of the 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 game that come out with any sort of credit for me. I think he, you know, after being out for so long, I can obviously see where he's you know come from in that respect, and you know, to put a performance in like he did and and show the sort of determination and and sort of courage, if you like to. You know, do what he's done. I, I think you know he was the only one really who can can sort of look at himself in the mirror and say he did a you know good job that night. I think the rest of him, it, it's just totally not good enough. And um, for me, we've said it you know numerous times this year that you know fans understand that players you know aren't always going to be you know you know this this high standard, but you know to just not even put the work rate in and the effort and be able to do the basics is, is just criminal, really, for me, Keen. Yeah, I think for me, like, especially when I looked at the basics, like, in, in that game, the basics weren't being done right. Like, if you look at five-yard passes, simple simple passes to your teammates, they weren't being done. Like, I looked at players like McTominay, Mattage, they were giving the ball away senselessly. And what, what made it worse to me is when they were giving the ball away, they weren't making an effort to win it back. They were almost looking at the player run past him, and it was like, "Oh shit, yeah, like, I kind of have, I have to go now. I have to run after him." But it was even, even the players who work hard, like Cavani, like 
usually we we talk on this podcast about Cavani in terms of his work rate and his press, but with none of that the other night as well. Do you know, like it, it really mystified me kind of the, the level of performance. And one thing we've always we, we said since Ragnar came in, we're all excited about is this this system, the high press, this is gonna be great for us. Like this system could be good. Like we're talking about how Fred could be utilizing his system. That could this you know maybe help Rashford, you know, because he, he's gonna be in, in a more of an attacking role, more more role. To a Greenwood, even we're saying Jaden Sancho can flourish. Do you know like this system had a lot of you know, permutations for us to to be to be better than we were earlier on the season, but we've regressed in my opinion in, in terms of this. And I don't know whether that's the players miss Solskjaer. Do the players maybe regret throwing him under the bus because he protected him for so long? And now, you know, all of a sudden this new manager comes in, he's demanding so much out of him that, you know, maybe, you know, Ollie maybe protected these players for, for so long that they had it easy, maybe. And maybe is this a case now where this new manager has come in and they're not buying into it? Is the case that he's an interim manager? They know he's only going to be there for six months. And do they know if there's someone that's coming in? Is that the reason why? Is that maybe the way they're saying, look, yeah, yeah, he's only here for six months. Like, it's like, in any job, night line of work, if you know someone's a temporary, temporary, in that temporary position, some people might rest in their laurels. Is it that? Could that be the case? I don't know. But there's a level of professionalism that when you're in a Manchester United shirt that the bare minimum is you work hard and you work hard for 90 minutes and you you, you put all, 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 all out there for the shirt. And for the fans, so there's 76,000 fans in Old Trafford. I haven't seen Old Trafford as flat this season. Because regardless, remember when we had results in the Solskjaer this year? 5-0 against Liverpool, 2-0 against City, 1-0 home to Villa. One thing always stuck to me at every every game this season, the fans would get the team over the line regardless. But it was even flat. I think these this group of players is losing their relationship with these fans. I think the fan base now, like if you look at it, like, Jose Mourinho, Louis van Gaal, David Moyes, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, now Raf Ragnick. All these managers can't be wrong in terms of that. Do you know, I think if you, if you look at the, these group of players, a lot of them here who I don't think are good enough to play for Manchester United, and they're quite lucky, in my opinion, to be um, paying, paying, playing for Manchester United, you know. Um, it's it, it just, just mystifying how, how many of these players are... I suppose their egos are getting ahead of this this badge right here, and I, it, it's 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 mystifying to be honest. And um, but Lee, for yourself, like w- when you look at this situation in terms of how these players get out of this rut, like obviously Rav's come in, and he's he has his own ideas, and like on paper the, these ideas look to be good. Like, that there seems to be though a natural level of progression in terms of our attacking players selling this system. What's going wrong for you at this moment in time? Because we've had the four-two-three-one under Raleigh. We had the three at the back. He, he they experimented with four-three-three. Is it a system thing? Is it a case they're not buying into Ralph's philosophy? Like, what do you think is going wrong at the moment? Uh, who knows? Uh, at this moment in time, who knows what is is going wrong? Uh, we talk about the lack of effort, uh, and it does look like there's a massive lack of effort at the moment. Um, but I listened to Scott Wotton's podcast, I think it was this week, and uh, like he said, people are saying that the lads don't care, uh, that the game's changed and the players don't play for the teams anymore. But 
I listened to what he said and I kind of agree. There's a, a bit of personal pride, even if you're not playing for the badge. You mean you're you're a, a superstar if you play for Man United all over the world. Um, you know your your game's getting shown to millions and millions of players, not just in this country, in, in all over the world. Surely to God, they what they don't want to be seen as you know a, a guy who doesn't try. They want to be known as the guy who's playing well for Man United. Um, so to, to, to believe that they're given a lack of effort, it's I can't believe it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just, it, it definitely looks like there's no effort being put in or very little effort or it looks like there's something wrong in the camp. But it just begs belief that this day and age, and, and you know, you can you can get players and you can be bought for so much money um, and you can come with such a reputation that you wouldn't want to put the, the effort in. Um, is it that, the, the, like you've just said there and you just touched on, is it just that they're simply not good enough? Are these players coming from other clubs? Um, where the expectation on them, you know, isn't as, as big as being at Man United. Um, obviously, when you sign for Man United, and rightly so, you're signing for these uh, this, this mega money, and you're this mega star with this name. What goals and procedure? You're expected to, you know, to be playing fantastic week in week out. Um, the likes of Jaden Sancho is 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 come over. And we think we've we've you know we've given quite a lot of leeway at the moment, and we said you know if it, it, it sort of seems to get going in the second half of the season and this that and the other. To me, if you're signing Jaden Sancho for eighty million pounds, showing glimpses even there and maybe only coming well and playing well in the second half of the season for me isn't good enough. If you're signing Jaden Sancho for eighty million pounds, he needs to get going straight from the start. And it's not just Jaden too. You know what I mean? It, that 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 can be said for for a lot of what of players that we've signed. They've, they've got the uh, the reputation what's preceding them, but they're just not showing what they're capable of on the pitch. Um, we're saying that we've got a team of individuals and not a team, uh, the, the, the team spirit, but are the individuals, you know, are they good enough? Because what I've seen this season, particularly these last, you know, four or five games, we're getting battered all over the field. We made Podence look like, you know, one of the world's best players. The other for day. me, he looked like a, for, I was looking at Podence the other night against Wan-Bissaka the other night, and I was, Looking at him, like, geez, he looks like a prime Eden Hazard the way he's beaten him the whole time. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, more near that level, you know. And we, we, it, it was all over the park, and it was literally all over the park. We was getting absolutely mad. The, 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 the right, the right wing back was it Semedo? He was free yeah. every single time. We couldn't, Luke Shaw couldn't get nowhere near him. He looked like an absolute world beater. I mean, do you know what I mean? The, the right backs and the names we've got, we should be head and shoulders above these guys, but these guys are outperforming us week in, week out. And it's not just the Wolves game, even the Burnley game where we, where we you know, we, we won 3-1. Very lucky, in my opinion. Again, Scott McTominay had a good game. Apart from that, who really had a great game on that pitch? You know what I mean? We could have easily have drawn that game, quite easily have drawn that uh, game. Yeah, well, like, apart from Tahir, like he, he kept us in the game. For yeah, a couple Scott, of... Scott, Scott yeah. and the had a, good, had a good game. Wolves game, again, Jones, like Phil just touched on, absolutely made up for the guys. Come back, you know, he's uh, he's been there and he's done it with the teams and he's won the, the leagues. He knows what it is to be a United player because he's been in that era where we have won games and we've... You know, we've been successful under a successful team. He knows the mentality, what's needed. Um, now, I'm not saying that Phil Jones is going to come back in that squad and be the answer because, like I say, you've got to remember, before his injuries, him and Chris Smalling, we was all calling for them to be replaced and changed. I'm absolutely made up for the lad that is, is coming and put that performance in. I think, he, you know, after two years out, being on a training field for uh, for two years and not getting a game, to put that level of performance in is, uh, you know, was fantastic. But he knows that he knows the level what's what's expected at the club, and he knows how you've got to play to uh, to, to be successful. And 
to play for this club. And I think a lot of the team at the moment, they, they've just not got that, that the right mentality to be Man United players. But what do we do? Do we, you know, do we have a mass? Do we get rid of them all? You can't do that, can you? You know, a lot of people say put the under twenty threes in, but so I might say put the under twenty threes in. But a, a, a professional game, you need experience, or you're not going to win nothing. So you, you, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an hard one to to think about what, what's next to do. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a catch twenty two. What we do at this moment in time, because I think Solskjaer done so well to rebuild this squad, but all of a sudden now we're looking and say is another rebuild needed? You know, after this two and a half three year period, it's it's shocking really, and. You're absolutely right in terms of Phil Jones. Like for me, I was absolutely delighted to see him come back after two years. Like, you know, me personally, I thought his Man United career was over. I didn't think I'd see him put on United shirt again, but I see one picture on social media that really kind of, I suppose, summed up. I don't I think you guys probably seen it as well as the player's body language walking onto the pitch for the game, just as obviously this one is on and the players are walking out to obviously play the game. All the players look like, you know, they've They've seen a ghost. Phil Jones is up and I know they caught it midair, but he was he was buzzing, he was bouncing, ready to go. And he looked at the body language of the players. And one thing I I'd ask the question in that picture is which player looks like they haven't played a game in two years? It wasn't him. Like Phil Jones looked like he he, he was playing constantly for two years and he looked like to a fresh player to you in that that in that regard in terms of having match sharpness. By any means, Phil Jones, after two years, he wouldn't have, would have expected a performance like that. Him. You know, and, and he played fantastic and fair play to him because like, he's had his fair share of social media stick. He's had, you know, people questioning whether he should have a contract still at Man United after being in, out injured for two years. And to put on a performance like that, you know, and showing that he he's playing for the badge, like, you know, look, that's a professional performance. Like, I've seen at one point during the game when you're defending the corner, and we got the first ball. Wolves were getting the second ball. The only person that was, the only people who were pressing at the time was Ronaldo and Jones. But Jones, he was on his, I think he was like at the six yard box. He was out at the 18 like that, so like he, he was quick. None of the rest of the players made the same type of effort needed to close down. And that's that was apparent the whole way through the game in terms of work rate, desire. Phil Jones is the only one, and obviously De Gea in, in between the sticks. Was the only one shown, you know, that they had that desire to, and, and determination to win the game. But it's a common team all season, and for me, I'm just like I, I do really question the mentality of these players. What what I can't understand, Keen, is this this Gagan press what we've all been on about since Ralph Vanier was going to take over. Um, you know, I I understand it's not going to happen straight away, but at least show us some signs that you want to press. It looks like we're, we're, we're pressing less than that we was pressing before. You know, it just looks like. They've not took the philosophy on whatsoever. Now, whether that's, I don't know, a confidence thing or whether they're, they're too big-headed to do it and they don't like the way and they're thinking we're bigger than what the manager's saying. But for me, that that, that pressing game has been non-existent. Very, very little pressing, if any. I don't, I can't see more pressing now than there was when Oli was here. And that's what I said earlier on. It was like, I think we've actually regressed in these last couple of weeks. We actually look worse now than we looked. Probably not so much Watford, but... Every other game this season, you know, I think we've looked worse in these last couple of games. The fact we're getting battered in midfield and now played in midfield by no disrespect. I'm not going to, like, the Premier League teams, and they're, they're brilliant in their own rights. But the likes of Norwich, Burnley, Newcastle and, and Wolves, there's no way in hell they should be out playing Manchester United in midfield. Now, if I look at central midfield for Wolves, Matinho and Neves, 
I'll be honest, I'd take to do them over any feelers we have. Them. Anyone, anyone you'd be placed up with anyone, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd put them there too any day of the week. But other than that, if you look collectively over the pitch, Manchester United should be beating all them teams without a shadow of a doubt. Now, I'd read really a question that these players attitude because if, if I look at the the time under Solskjaer and you, and you look at the you know the, the last couple of months of his tenure, they down tools. There's no two ways about it. They down tools because they, they, they didn't show a basic le- effort level, desire, any of that in the last couple of weeks of his tenure. Same's happened now. I, I don't know what it is. You know, it, it, I can't pinpoint it because. This group of players, at one point, where if we talk about posts or Alex Ferguson, Gary Neville said it rightly. They're they're a likable team. They were a likable team in terms of the, the comebacks in the second half, in terms of giving us probably the most entertaining football post or Alex. But whatever's after happening in this last four or five month period, it's it's shocking. And I, I do think there's there's a lot of bad eggs in that dressing room that are really after showing the other true colours because. How can there be leaks in the media of 13 to 17 players who are unhappy and want to leave? That doesn't happen in, in a stable dressing room. It, it really doesn't. And you guys will know better than me in terms of it's like a, a United dressing room, in terms of what the what the overall mentality and that feeling that dressing room would be like. Phil, Lee, you've been in the dressing room with Roy, the likes of Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs. With these characters in the dressing room, the dressing room would be in order. And Man United at the moment, we don't have that. We don't have a leader. Apart from Ronaldo, probably, we don't have a leader doing a dressing room to kind of keep the dressing room in order. So that's where I have looked at this and say, where's our captain at this moment in time? Where is the person to, to stand up and be counted? You know, where's your Robsons, your Keens? You know, where's that character? You know, and I think that's where, though it, it's unfortunate at the minute. But I just want to come to James' comments. I'm going to bring this to you, Phil. Jim says here that it's professional footballers who can't make a five-yard pass as a joke or perhaps a mental approach to working for a new boss they don't like. Serious questions um, need answers. What, when you look at this in terms of the basics that are happening, do you think, is this a confidence thing? Is it a case that they, they've played a different system for a couple of years and all of a sudden now they're, they're playing this new 4-2-2-2 system and as both, you know, Lee rightly mentioned in terms of getting get pregnant, is the case that it's too much too soon for these group of players, but is the case you're professional players, you just get on with it. Yeah, I mean, just touching on what we were just on about then, I think that's the massive thing really for me that stands out in terms of, you know, there's not really anybody who's, who's you know, grabbing the ball by the arms and, and being a real leader. And, you know, when things aren't quite going the way that you want them to, you need that big character or somebody in a dressing room who can, you know, deal with things get things in order, you know, on and off the field, you know, and, and that's a massive thing that we haven't got. Um, you know, we you need you need, you know, more than one, you need two or three of them at least, um, in a in a in a good t- a good side. And I think, you know, when I think back to my time at the club, and I obviously speak about that a lot, but you know, there was five, six, seven who who would, you know, any issues it'd get dealt with straight away. Any bad performances, you know, that I'd get dealt with, you'd be back on the training field and you'd rectify that the game after. And, and I, I, I don't see any of that in this current squad that we've got. And I think, you know, in terms of like the, the stuff we've just touched on there, like the the, the basics were, were just so poor against Wolves. And and we're, talk, we're not talking, you know, amateur footballers here. We're talking the top level professional Premier League footballers from Manchester United. 
And yeah, you know, you can make mistakes. Yeah, you can you can have a bad game, but I think you know, as we touched the body language and and sort of um, sort of it was the reactions as well to to some of this stuff that was happening. When when you give a ball away, your first thought should be right. I, I want to win it back. I want to do something to sort of you know show that I, I, I want to you know be on the front foot. And I think that's it's been evident to see you know in in the last six months to a year that a lot of these players are living off reputations. I, I, I said something about this on Twitter uh, yesterday. And I think for me, a lot of these players, yeah, you know, fantastic players. They've been great. Um, but, you know, reputations only last so long. You know, you've got to, you know, keep putting in performances. And, and as soon as you take your foot off the gas um, and performance levels start to, dr- to drop, then, you know, it, you, you soon get found out and, and fans will only stay loyal. Um to, to players in, in, in that situation if you if you still putting a shift in and, and working hard and doing you know the fundamentals of, of what you need to be doing. Um and, and some of these players just aren't even doing that, which is, is really, really worrying. And, and I think we can, you know, blame formations and you can blame managers and all this kind of stuff. But for me, as a player, if you're on the pitch, you know, regardless of what formation you're playing in, regardless of who the manager is. I'm on that field and I'm doing the best that I can do for myself and for the club, regardless of what position I'm in, you know, that that's just, you know, part of the tactical side of the game. This is more desire, wanting to do my best for myself, for the club. And, and I think this is a massive issue that we've got. Some of these players just don't seem to care. And, and it, it, you know, it sounds, you know, wrong, but... They, they don't understand what it is to play for Manchester United and what how lucky and privileged they are to to be able to put on that shirt and the the lack of effort is is a disgrace really and it it really sort of upsets me because I, I think back to you know some of the players that used to be at the club when I was there and you know the the you know probably play a couple of games and then they'd be out the team thinking back to the likes of Jemba Jemba and Cleberson and people like that, you know, they had well better players in the team. Um, but, but I remember every time they played, they might not have been good enough in terms of, you know, technically or, you know, all that kind of stuff on the ball, but, but they always put a shift in. And that was because it was bred into that team by Keane and by all the other players. That's the bare minimum that you've got to give. Your work rate and your, your desire and your passion and, and the way you, you, you sort of work for the team is is a given. You know, if, if, if you're technically not good enough, then you get found out and eventually you move on or, you know, you don't play as much as the others. But at the minute, in this current team, we're not getting any of that. And, and I think it, it just shows and it's rubbing off. And, and a lot of these young players who, you know, are probably as experienced as some of the other lads, you can maybe feel sorry for them a little bit more because the older players should be setting an example and, and leading and, and sort of galvanising players. And, you know, some of the stuff that we're seeing is rubbing off on, on other players and it seems to have just spread through the dressing room. And, and it's, it's you know, once it's got to that stage, it's very hard to get it back. And I think, I think that's where we're at at the moment with all that. Lee, how would you, cha- how would you change this? Do you maybe do a clear out now at this moment in time? Do you maybe look and say, right, there's certain characters we need to get out is there a case that you now need to identify who the, who the bad eggs are, regardless of who, what their quality is, and bring in some to real characters into, into the dressing room and 
you know, to try to liven it up because it seems to be a case now where we're at a, we're at a point where you know it's it's toxic at this moment in time and as as Phil rightly mentioned, it's rubbing off on some of the younger players and it's stunting their development almost. And there's a lack of leaders there. For you, how how do you fix this? I, w- I would say if I was um, <clears throat> if I was Ralph Ranick and obviously he's got a six six month interim period and he's going upstairs for two years. Um, I think Ralph's going to have to bring in players if he's going to bring in players who he actually knows and he actually trusts and he actually trusts to play the system um, because you can bring in like say great great players um, with big names which we've, we've apparently done this season and they just might not fit the structure of what they want them to do um, so I think if he's going to bring in, in players he needs to bring in players that he's, he's familiar with and who he trusts to play the system and uh, to do the things he wants them to do because at this moment in time, the way he wants to play, I don't think this current squad's going to take to it. I don't think we've got the players to play that way. I mean, if you're going to play a, set, a front two for me of Edison Cavani and Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't think you can play 4-2-2-2. For me, they've not got the pace and the skill to, or to run behind players or to take players on anymore. For me, the best way of playing this system, if they're going to be a front two, is getting the ball wide, getting down the byline and putting crosses in. That's where we're going to hurt them most. And if the ball gets headed away, then we need the likes of our midfield players to pick up that second ball, be determined to win it back and play for them again. We ain't doing that. I mean, we haven't got a natural left-footed player on the wing, have we? You know what I mean? We, we, we've got players what are cutting in. So from the wings, we, we, from you know, from the, when we're wide, we ain't taking the ball out beating someone. Look at um, the goal what Wolves scored. Um uh, as soon as the lad, what's his name on the, on the wing got it? It's Traore, what's his name? Traore, is it? Traore, that's the one, yeah. Skips round um, Luke Shaw, puts a crossing, ball comes out, second ball, whip it in. We don't do that. We get the ball out wide. Nine times out of ten, we're cutting in. There's no overlapping. So they're not, with the cutting in, there's no one getting in that space to whip a crossing. We're just basically, for me, we're closing space up all the time and we haven't got the centre forwards to play this system. For me, we need to be rather beating a man. Jaden Sancho needs to get on the ball, drive at a man, get on early crossing. Same with Greenwood on the other side, or Rashford if he plays. That's that's the way we need to, for me, that's the way we need to play. 4 2 2 2, we haven't got the width to do it. So we're trying to play through them all the time. We haven't got the players to do it. We haven't got the creativity in midfield. But Bruno, but Bruno, when he's been playing, has been giving the ball away more times than he's been keeping it. Then we've not got the, uh, you know, the defensive minded players to get back and to cover that. So at the minute, the, the way Rangit wants to play with the players that we've got, I, I can't never ever see it working. Matic, if we get if the ball gets turned over in possession, he's not going to be quick enough to get back. Scott McTominay, he'll put a shift in, but he's not got speed. He's not a quick player to get back. Can't he's not great at tackling either. That's one no, thing I've no, noticed recently. No. I mean, what, what the Wolves game? Like, you know, we'll keep going on about the basics. They weren't even looking at over the shoulders when they was receiving the ball. That's what that is the. the from being as a kid at Man United, and Phil will tell you this, if you watch your midfield plays, the first thing you got told was to have a picture in your mind before that ball gets to you of who is where. And the amount of times I watched that ball get played into midfield, they weren't looking around the shoulder. They didn't know who was on. They were taking a touch. They was getting the ball to off them. They were turning into players. Basic, basic, basic football, which you get taught from an early age. And, you know, we, we, we don't seem to have the players at the moment who understand what they're doing. And it's... It's disappointing. Um, I think, yeah, we're going to need to buy players. I, I, I know 
we can't how, how can you keep rebuilding upon a rebuild upon a rebuild? You know, it, it sounds ridiculous. But the rebuilds we're doing aren't good enough. They're just not good enough for Man United. The players we're bringing in, they're, they're not for me, they're just not Man United players and they're not good enough. And it's it's it, I don't like calling players out because you know what I mean. I've been there, Phil's been there, you do something from a young age. I think the difference with us is, yeah, we didn't make it. Maybe, you know, I might, I might not have made it because I wasn't good enough for Man United. I know it was an injury to stop me, but if I didn't get injured, I probably, you know, I, I might not have been better. There might have been better players out there. But I, I guarantee you, I would have put 110% in every single game to be the best player I could be. And if something was going wrong, I would have run back. I would have chased every ball. I would have kicked every man I could have kicked and give my all for the team. And that's not what's just not happening at the moment, mate. And this the thing. This is where... It... It's the basics again. And this is where I always go back to application and desire and accountability. Like Accountability has to be a word you have to use here because the amount of times we see a social, like a generic social media post, oh, let's go again. You know, we weren't good enough this week, but look, next week we'll go again. We'll get the result. I just don't, I can't relate to this squad of players anymore. I, I can't. Like if you look at the previous United teams that we've had, you know, in the past, like with the, with the likes of Keane, Scholes, Giggs, you know, Ronaldo, Fleeson Park, you know, players like that, those players who would who'd work their socks off. Wayne Rooney, like, like one thing that's like one goal that popped up in my timeline the other day was Rooney's goal against Newcastle. Remember, he got absolutely flattened in 2004, 2005. Rooney's mounted the referee, gets up and pings a first time into the top corner. And shows that aggression and that passion. Like, where is that for these Man United players? This is what I'd want to know. Where is, where is that passion and desire? And like, people talk about on social media, people want passion merchants too much. They want, they want you know, this, that and the other. But what's one thing everyone's saying now about this United team? They lack passion, desire, work rate, commitment. These are the basics to be a successful team. Like, you look at Manchester City at the minute. I'll bring them up as a prime example because I know we mightn't support them, their, their arrival, but one thing you can see what's apparent about that team, that team, when it was first assembled, it wasn't a team of superstars. Yes, they had very good reputations in Europe, but they weren't superstars. But they're a collective unit and they work on and off the ball. Like, if they lose the ball, they win it back in six to eight seconds. The, the, you know, there's, there's commitment there. And... This is a team we were expected to challenge this season. Like we, we were talking at the start of the season, we were saying like we, Ronaldo came in. This team before Ronaldo came in, we had Sancho Varane, do you know, Tom Heaton. There they were our signings. And they bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. At that point in time, expectations levels still have to be there. We had a very good transfer window. If you look at net like our, our spend, like we sold Daniel James. Who actually fair played him was actually one of the players when he played in the Man United shirt. He pressed, he pressed, he pressed. Probably be perfect for the system right now, to be honest. But someone who probably wasn't first team quality, but he always showed. We sold him for 30 million. He paid for Ronaldo. We got Joe Varane for 34 million. That's a steal for a four time Champions League winner. Joe, we got Sancho for 73. Last year we were quoting 120. Like, we were looking at this season, we're like, this is the year where. I think we're making that progression from third to second. You know? You look at this now. We're, far, we're even further away. And how long is it going to take before we're challenging again? 
Now, what does this club deem success? Is top four their ceiling? Because if that's the case, then I'd be very disillusioned with that. I wouldn't be happy with that, considering the young quality we have in the squad. And the, like, there's there's still a very good players in the squad to challenge, not just for the for the league, but bare minimum a trophy. Like, make a reasonable run for a trophy, whether that's League Cup, FA Cup, Champions League, whatever. That's the bare minimum to be competitive. I'm not confident we are going to beat Villa on Monday, if I'd be honest. I, I'm not. They're, like Gerard, We're going to touch on Gerard and his impact at Villa at the minute, in a minute, but I'm not confident. We've let go Madrid in the Champions League, who are a very well-coached team under Simeone. And you want to talk about a team who work well on and off the ball. Now, that's, that's a well-oiled machine. That, they could actually make an example out of us. Joe, you know, come come February, they really could. But I'm just worried about where we are, where we're going at this moment in time, and how we get out of it. Because you're, you're talking about 13 to 17 players wanting to leave, and that's completely fine. But we're not going to get rid of all them in one window. Like, this is not going to be a quick fix. And whoever comes in next, to whether it's Randnick stays on or Ten Hag, Pochettino, whoever, all these people who are linked with the, linked with the job, they, they have hard work in their hands because there's a lot of players who probably aren't good enough and there's players who are out of contract in the summer and we have to bring more players in. Like it, it, For me at this moment in time, it, it's not going to be a quick fix and I think we may need to be in this for the long haul. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but we're probably going to go a decade without a t- league title. And... That's what like when when you looked at when Sir Alex retired, that would have been unthinkable. That we'd go ten years without a league title, five six years without a major trophy. Like that's the route we're going. So I think we like it, it's it's not nice, but I think reality is probably setting in, in in terms of that in terms of where we are as a football club at the moment. And obviously, there's a lot more going on upstairs, and you know there's reshuffling happening there. Maybe there is plans to put into place to move forward, but. It's just disheartening as a Man United fan at the moment to, to look at the current situation and to try find like I always anytime I've been on this podcast with the three of us every 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 week every Friday, even at the depths this year on the salt shower, I was looking for a positive of some sort. I can't now. I, I simply can't. That there's nothing at the moment that makes me think that we're going to get any, anything out this season. And before Christmas, I actually said on this podcast. I looked at the form of Chelsea with all their injuries, all the COVID situation. I was like, you look at United's run, third place, we could get it because of the run of fixtures we have. And Randick had time, though, to obviously implement the system against teams who on paper, though we should be beaten. But I'm looking at this last couple of weeks and I'm looking at the way Spurs are playing, Arsenal are picking up, Chelsea might start kicking again. Top four could be well over each. Manchester United could be playing in the Europa Conference League next season. Like that's that's a distinct possibility right now if you look at our league position and our current form. If you project it right now, that's probably we were we're going to be playing next season. So it's just a rut of hope we can get out of and hopefully if Harry Maguire is a captain, Ronaldo's there, David De Gea, all these players who are here now who was very professional, all play you know in terms of for their national teams and they all have leadership roles there. 
if there's ever a time for these players to stand up and be counted, I do believe it's definitely these next couple of weeks and months because I think by the end of the season, we could be in a very dark place as a football club and on the field anyway. And with multiple players out of contract, multiple players who are in contract but want to leave, this rebuild could be the biggest rebuild post Sir Alex Ferguson that we've had, which, which, which scares me, to be honest. But I think it could be coming. But in terms of this anyway, we do have a football game on Monday um, in the FA Cup. And obviously, both of you have been, have been at the club at a time where Manchester United win a lot of FA Cups. And it seemed to be a trophy that more often than not that we'd be you know, in, in contention for and we'd always seem to push for. Um, Phil, obviously your opponents on Monday, Aston Villa, have, obviously they, they sacked Steve, uh, hear me, Steve Smith, uh, Dean Smith, um, and he's obviously gone other ways to Norwich, and they brought in Stephen Gerrard from Rangers. We all know him from his time at Liverpool. Um, but what do you make of the job that Gerrard's done at Villa so far in terms of, it's obviously he's another new manager, new setup, new formation, group of players, Obviously, Manchester United are a whole bigger club than Aston Villa, but what would be your assessment of kind of Gerrard's impact at Aston Villa in, in such like a, a short period of time? I think he's done really well. Um, you know, I can't deny the fact. I think he's he's come into the club and um, obviously being a fantastic player that he was, you know, um, he's had a, he's had a positive impact, and I think on a lot of the players there, and and you can see. By the way, the performances have, have been of, of late. Um, that he's he's got them right at it, and I think you know the competition that they've got now within the squad um, is is pretty good, and and you can see that there's sort of a lot of team spirit, which um, you know we we don't have at this moment in time, and I think that's the most depressing thing really for for us at this moment in time when when we look around and we see other teams, you know, our, our biggest two rivals in Liverpool and City. As you just touched on, you know, well-oiled machines. Every single player seems to know the jobs. They know what they're doing in and out of possession. Um, and and for us at this moment in time, it, it's you know we're in disarray. I, I I don't know what performances are going to be like from one game to the next. I think players are looking round and you know looking at other players and thinking you know what's going on, where should I be, who am I passing to, what and you know we're turning up to games as Man United fans thinking like. You know, not how many are we going to win the game by, or are we going to play? It? You know, it's more like are we going to even get a, a, a full team of like people who's putting a shift in? And I think that's you know criminal really for for a club of our magnitude and, and sort of you know the history that we've got. It it should be a lot better. Um, and, I, and I'm a little bit concerned. I, I'm going to the game on on Monday against Villa. I've not been there for for a bit, so obviously looking forward to to going watching the game, but. I am a little bit worried because I think, you know, Villa's already beat us at Old Trafford this season and, and he played fantastic that day. Um, I we remember were, that. I yeah. was at that game and they, like, McGinn and Louise just ran the show midfield that day. Yeah, I, I think I remember saying something like that everything I wanted from us um, in a performance, I think Villa did. You know, he was on the front foot. He looked really positive. He was playing balls into the front men, breaking the lines. As soon as he lost the ball, he was winning it back. Um, they won every second ball and they was trying to create chances and I think you know we was everything the opposite of that we we were you know lacklustre couldn't string passes together 
you know, hitting balls long and, and couldn't really, you know, get any styles and um, sort of patterns of play uh, going. And, and, and I think, you know, it's very, very worrying and, and, and a game that we could potentially, you know, you know, it's not an easy game if 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 if, if I'm being honest. I think Aston Villa are a, a sort of um, team that are a little bit of a dark horse. I think they've got a lot of good players. I think Gerard's got them got them playing. Um, you know, they've all got a spring in the step. I think he's sort of came in and, and sort of give them an extra bit of something. Um, and and yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult game. And and as you say, FA Cup's a massive competition for us. I think that could have been our maybe one. Uh, chance of winning a trophy this season, uh, obviously still is, and I think you know we we definitely need to you know put in a good performance to to get past Villa because I think you know there are no mugs and I think it'll be a tough game. But obviously looking forward to to sort of uh, coming and, and watching and hoping that we can you know change our fortunes and that we can you know put in a, a performance that the fans deserve. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? I'm I'm, I'm jealous that you're going to the game because I was trying to get time off work. Couldn't get off, <laughs> lads. But um, no, look, I, it, it is one of these things where I'm very worried myself because obviously, like I have banter. I've lot of mates who are Liverpool fans, and I have banter with them the whole time about obviously Gerrard slip, not win the league, etc., and all that crap. But I think if you if you look at kind of the way he has them, even his time at Rangers, how he how he has teams organised in terms of like defensively sound. That's one thing you know he he has done very well in terms of his managerial career so far, and like obviously he's McAllister with him as well, who's part of that coaching setup, who kind of has that team you know, well knitted. So like for me, I'm I'm looking at this Villa team, and I'm, they've obviously a lot of great players like though John McGinn, though Douglas Deweese, Danny Ings, Philippe, Cat- one of our worst enemies, Philippe Coutinho, has had to sign him for him on loan, which that's massive. Like that, there's your Jack Grealish replacement there, like you know. Like they win Dia, like they've they've they fantastic players. So like for me, like it's not going to be an easy game. If you look at the current way results have been going, this is probably our hardest game. So in in Ralph Ragnick's time at the club, and like that that was going to be like we were all saying Wolves is going to be the hardest game. He's going to find it hard against Wolves, but like I, I look at this game Joe, you know, with um against Villa, and like like for me, I'm. I'm looking at midfield. I'm a very, very concerned about the midfield battle because I was, I was, as I mentioned, like I was at the Villa game at Old Trafford in, back in September, and like Fred McTominay got overran in that midfield. Bruno was all over the place, like in terms of he couldn't get on the ball. Like Douglas Louise man marked him, and once he man, they man marked Bruno, McTominay and Fred didn't have the capacity to break the lines with the passes. Whereas when Villa got the ball, they were winning the back quickly. You know, they they were popping into Ings or. Though they're popping out their wingers and they're 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 creating chances where there was there was none of that from us, you know. So like I look at it and like especially if we play the system, um on Monday, like we, we we do have to look at it and say who do we put in there because you've played McTominay and Fred, which they're, they're probably going to be the two because if you're talking about like winning the ball back quickly, they're probably going to be our, our best bet. Even though McTominay probably isn't. Best of tacklers, but he has a work rate about him that he'll, he'll try to win the ball back. I think we do need Fred to start on Monday because I think if you're looking at McGinn and someone to match McGinn's intensity in midfield, Fred's gonna have to be that man. I think Fred has to play, but then you have to look at that if you're gonna stick this four triple two system. My biggest worry in terms of creativity is the fullbacks because if you're playing this system and you're playing them two narrow attacking midfielders, 
who you want to cut inside. You need fullbacks, as Lee mentioned earlier. Lee being a fullback knows this. Probably you know, Phil had a stint at right back as well. But like in terms of fullbacks providing weight, you need to bomb on. Juan Pesaka, this way teams. I don't. I don't know if you noticed this, lads, but do any time Man United have the ball and we're we're, we're trying to create chances, they they pop it into a Bruno, pop it into a Rashford or whatever. They they force us to pass the ball to Juan Bazaka, knowing that crossing the ball probably isn't his biggest strength, and they they allow us to have the ball there because they know we won't create a chance, and teams set back up quickly because he's not the quickest on the ball. So for me, I'm looking at this, and I'm probably playing a Dallow right back against against Villa because at least he'll provide us with an overlap and an out ball. Though maybe like Luke Shaw. He has played well. He played well against Burnley. Like he was bombing forward, he was creating chances. I think Alex Hellas should play though. You're talking about like delivery. Our delivery is going to have to be on point against Villa. I think if you're talking about using the overloads, and you're going to have to look at the two attacking midfielders, whether it's Sancho and Bruno or those Sancho and Greenwood, they're both going to obviously cut in. So you're going to need fullbacks to overload. If you don't do that, then like your your play is going to become very predictable. And as it has done, I think you look at the Palace. Well, Keen, just on that as well. I think th- th- they're going to have to try and do that as well because if you, if you've watched Villa and how they play, the, the fullbacks for them, Matty Cash and, and Target, you know they love bombing on. They'll get forward and put crosses in all day. And I think you know if we if we don't you know try and do the same, that they'll just you know have a field day all day and, and they you know they don't hesitate in doing that. They're, they're two very good fullbacks, I think. Who you know. Are probably a little bit underrated, but they they make no bones about getting forward, putting crosses in, and working up and down all day. And I think we need to counter that as well, and make sure that we're trying to force them back, and you know have one eye on defending as well. Because as you just touched on there, Wan Bissaka, you know he's got the energy levels to get up and down all day, but in terms of the quality in in the final third, you know some of the crossing and and some of the you know stuff that he's done is is you know very very poor, and we need to sort of improving that area so potentially Tellers and, and Dallow could you know be be the preferred options this this game you know it could be we just have to obviously see but you know we need to be wary of that threat for them because I think that's a big way how they play and, and what they sort of get a lot of joy from I think that's why we we have if we're going to play this formation I think we have to pin them back doing that because it's all well and good playing this formation and doing that but like if you don't have the quality eventually if we keep losing the ball and that in that in that third and they, they hit us on the counter with Padilla, they you know Ings, still players like that who would hold up the ball because for me I just look I look at our defense at the moment. If you look at our centre backs, even Varane, like he hasn't he he looks vulnerable at the moment because he's had no no match fitness either. I think like if if you look at it, he's played no games, he looks vulnerable. Harry Maguire, he's just been out of form. Why he's gone to African Cup of Nations now? Luckily Lindelof is back, who I think has been actually probably one of our better players this season. When he's played, so maybe he'll step in on Monday. And to be honest, it could be Lindelof Ferran or does Jones step in because I think Jones definitely deserves another game for me anyway. Because he played, he played fantastically well against Wolves, and I won't be playing Harry Maguire if I be brutally honest because he hasn't been playing well. I know you're the club captain, but even sometimes the club captain has to maybe take a bit of time out the side and reevaluate their game. I'm not saying that in any disrespectful way. Before people might think I have an agenda against him or anything like that. It's not like that. I, I just think. If you're playing players in form, Maguire isn't one of them. And we've talked about dropping the fullbacks. And I think 
you make no exception for the club captain. I think you have to stay consistent in that. I think maybe Maguire is someone who maybe steps out for a while and reevaluates himself. You know, I think every player who's going through you know, a tough run of form, you know, sometimes has to reevaluate their game. So, like, look, it, it is going to be interesting to see kind of how how we're, how we kind of approach this situation and you know to have a, have a look at what way we're going to approach the game. But Lee. We touched on Gerard's Villa, and obviously, you know, one player um, who was actually out on loan in a Villa was Axel Tunesabi. Now he's obviously leaving Aston Villa um, to go to Napoli on loan. And we're, we're looking at our defensive problems. Is he maybe a player we probably could have kept, considering really going out to the African Nations, Joe McGuire in and out in form, Varane had his injury problems. I know we recall him and we never sent him out to Napoli, but was he someone maybe who could have, we could have kept as an extra pair of legs at the back? Because at the moment, we're not really spoiled for choice, really. I think uh, I, I was just listening to what you said there about just going back onto the full-backs, but I would probably have put this about the whole back four, really. Um, you look at Matty Cash and, and Target, you're not telling me if you was going to pick uh, 11 out of both uh, the teams against Villa. That they wouldn't both be a fullbacks as opposed oh, to Dallard, Wambasaka, Shaw. You, you, you're having Villa's fullbacks all day long, and this is the problem. The lads, what we've got, aren't good enough. And the lads who we say, well, we'll, we'll drop Luke Shaw um, because, you know, he's it, it, not this, that, and the other. Tell us, you know, if you could, if you could take the, the strong points out of Tellez's game and the strong points out of Luke Shaw's game, you'd have a great wing back. Same with Dallard. And same with Wan Bissaka. Unfortunately, you know they're not good at doing everything. Wan physics don't work like that. Unfortunately, Wan Bissaka is a fantastic fullback, but a fullback, not a, not an attacking fullback, a, a, an old school fullback, one on one sitting in defence like Paul Parker was. He's that kind of fullback. He's not a modern day fullback. He's not got the um, he's, he's not got the technical ability. He can beat a man. Don't get me wrong. He can, he can definitely take the ball and beat a man. And he's He's got the speed, but his crossing and his end product's terrible. And then I watch Dalor, and his, his defending shocking. Although he, you know, he, he can get better forward a lot more than Wambasaka and put, you know, much more quality in the in the box. So for me, when we're saying who, who, who would you put in at fullback, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, truthfully, don't know who I put in because they've 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 got the strengths and they've got the weaknesses, but none of them's got an all round modern day fullbacks game. Um, I suppose you could say this about the centre backs too. We've got loads of centre back options, but for me at the moment, we've, we've signed Vavan. I didn't know, I obviously knew about Vavan before we come, but I've not watched much of his football. I don't watch much Spanish football. Um, but I was led to believe when we signed Vavan that we were signing an absolute world there. And what I've watched at the moment, I, I've not seen it in a Man United shirt yet. I'm not saying that won't come, um, but. He's been liable for a couple of goals um, at the back. Um, and mistakes at the back leading to goals. Bayer the other day with a, a bad touch led to a goal. You know what I mean? It's We're, we're, leaking, we're leaking goals through silly, silly mistakes. Um, and I, I honestly think the back four, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any of them's good enough. I'd say Lindelof is, is the best out of a bad bunch at the moment. Hmm. So I, I don't I don't know where we go from there. I don't I don't know what we do. Um, with that and do you think maybe Lee with this as well? The fact that our back four is that we're leaking so many goals, and it, it seems to be a case that 
are becoming very easy to play against almost. You may think the lack, I know we've talked about holding midfielders, but the fact we've lack of two competent midfielders, and lack of midfielders who can control the game, do you think that's a massive contributing factor to these centre-backs making mistakes? It'd massively help. It'd, it'd massively help if we had, and we've said it all season, and you know, you don't have to be a football expert to see that Man United are lacking in midfield, absolutely lacking in midfield. If we get a decent, decent midfield player in there, the type of midfield player we need, it would strengthen the team. No ends. We've just not got it at the moment, you know. Um, but, but like I say, it, for me, we need Sani. I mentioned it on Twitter the other day. I think the spine of our team, straight there in the middle, isn't good enough at the moment. I think we've got we've, we've got Maguire, who's, who's, who's way out of form. We've signed Varane, who was supposed to have, have sorted this out. He's not hit form yet. Hopefully, God, God hoping he does, but he hasn't hit the form yet. We in the middle we've got we've got uh, Bruno who's probably a, you know our, our most creative player, but we haven't got that you know strong all round midfield player who's world class. And then I look at midfield. I look at United's midfield. Like, I look at West Ham for example, and they've Rice and Stuchek in there. We, uh, you know, for me, for me, we've got one of the, one of the worst midfields in the Premier League, and I don't say that lightly. I think we've got one of the worst midfields in the Premier League. I agree. I agree. And then we look up front and we've got two world superstars in football, but they've been world superstars. They're not, they're not what they was. So we've got Ronaldo, who's been the world's best, arguably one of the world's best, if not the world's best. And Edison Cavani's had a, an absolute fantastic career. But these aren't the future of Man United. Do you know what I mean? We, we need to be signing someone, a world-class striker, who's going to embed into a system what's going to, Take us to the next level, and we need. For me, the spine of the team isn't good enough. The team overall isn't good enough, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, like I've just said, the fullbacks aren't good enough. What we've got, they shouldn't be Man United players. Um, it, it's a mess. But I don't, I don't want to keep saying bye, 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 bye because we shouldn't have to do this. But I don't see with the squad of players what we've got, how we're going to improve and how we're going to go forward with them. I think we're at the level we are. I'd say we're a top eight team if, if we're lucky. And top four at the minute for me is gone unless something drastically improves, and I can't see if something drastically is going to improve with the team we've got. I think I can't see us getting European football this year. As I said, we'll probably end up in the Conference League, which is if we end up in that, I'd say next year throw the twenty threes into that. If that isn't worth anything, you'd be playing against. I, I love my country, but you're playing against teams like Shamrock Rovers and all that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I love my country and all that. League of Ireland deserves hell of a praise with the budgets they have. But we'd be playing against teams like that. And, like, look, that's not where Man United should be. I mean, we and, said, we, the other thing we signed that Diallo, the young lad Diallo, we've played an handful of games. Run about loaning him right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the signings, what we're signing, don't seem to be, don't seem to hit the ground. Money, whoever we sign, don't seem to, to, to bet in straight away. Donny van der Beek, what the hell he's done? I mean, we had a lot of in, in, in midweek, but he must have done something really, really bad to, to, to not even get a. I think he must be the training. Like the fact, like you've McTominay, Fred, and Matic here, and then when the thing that really stood out for me was when Bruno was out two weeks ago, suspended, and you've you've a hole in that four triple two system in the attacking midfield position. Um, McTominay was out as well, actually. McTominay was out, and he doesn't start. And the, the lad, the lad though, to me, Keen, I don't know if it looks like it too. He looks like he's got the right attitude to be a Man United player. What I've seen of him and what he's been portrayed, he looks like he's got the right attitude. Uh, you know what I mean? But obviously he's not. There's obviously something going on where 
behind the scenes what we're not seeing. Why he's not getting his chance? Maybe he's not performing. I think I, I said this a couple of weeks ago and I got accused of hating him. I don't know what it is, but I said that maybe a case, it might be a simple case he's just not performing in training. Mm. It could be just a simple case like that. Maybe he just doesn't train well. There's been many players who don't train well. You know, maybe it's a case of that. Maybe he has, has it in his locker, but maybe it's a case of the intensity of the English league, you know, maybe too much. That's what it could be. You know, that's a very distinct possibility. Like, Veron came to Man United, and Veron was a world superstar. Veron was a class central midfield player. But then he came up against the likes of Roy Keane and Paul Scholes for competition every week. You know, by no means are these midfielders that we have right now in any way comparable to what we had then. No, not but, at all. Not at all. But though in terms of them players performed better in training, therefore they them players had more obviously more more adapted to the league they played ahead of Iran. Yeah. Like this is a situation where he's coming from a different league. He's not used to the intensity. He's not used to that overall thing. He's not performing in training. That's what it could be. But I'm just gonna come to James Common before we get to our eleven, because this has been a great conversation. And for me, I've actually I found this very therapeutic, to, to, to be quite honest. Um, Jim has said, it was often said players would walk to Old Trafford to play for United. As a United fan from the 1960s, I said it myself. Um, but these days, I'm not sure, given the events of the last few weeks. Um, Phil, when you look at the name Manchester United, and when you look at the overall... Obviously, look, we're still a massive club. We're still the biggest club in the world right now, like in terms of suppose, size, brand, size of fan base, stuff like that. Do you think the overall attraction and the aura of Manchester United is kind of probably lost for these world-class players to, to come to the football club? I know we've just signed Ronaldo, Varane and Sancho, but do you maybe think this season now, in terms of the way the dressing room has been portrayed this year, and do you maybe think, is this going to be hard for us to attract these players in the summer if we do have to go through another rebuild? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously with with the way things have gone and, and obviously results and and the way obviously you know the performances have been, it's took a, a dent to our sort of reputation. You, you know, there's no hiding behind that. I think um, in terms of the the club and the size and all that and and stuff, like that, I don't think that'll ever change, regardless of you know a couple of bad seasons or you know bad performances and the current crop of players not being good enough and stuff like that. I just feel as though um, in order for us to, to get back to where we, we need to be in terms of, you know, challenging for titles, winning trophies, um, there's there's a lot of things that needs to change. And I think that goes a lot deeper than just the, the players. But obviously that's the, the, the main thing at this moment in time, which we can control um, that needs to, to be addressed. And, and first and foremost, you know, the players that are lucky enough to be playing in the team and, you know, wearing the shirt need to, you know, step the performances up tenfold because, you know, it's just been nowhere near good enough. And I think that's, you know, the catalyst really for, you know, wanting to get better clubs to come to the club. And, you know, if you're not performing and you're not putting in, um, you know, consistent sort of, um, sort of you know, performances, then you, you're never going to get, you know, better players to want to come and play at the club. And, and as sad as that sounds, I think at this moment in time, if you look at the, you know, the best players around the world, you likes of probably Haaland's and, and Bappe's and, you know, people of them, these worlds, they, if, if you know, they was free to come and sign for someone, I think 
Manchester United at this moment in time probably wouldn't be the top of their list, which, you know, in terms of size and money and, and fan base, it should be. But, you know, I think, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a difficult situation because we know all the stuff with the owners and all the stuff, like there's a new manager and formations and, you know, it's not just a fact of the players are letting us down at this moment in time. There's a lot more to it, but they need to step up and be counted and have a bit more accountability for, for what they're doing um, in terms of, you know, the, the performance levels have been nowhere near good enough. And at the end of the day, they're getting paid very well. You know, the professional athletes, they should be able to run around and work hard for 90 minutes. And that's the bare minimum. Um, and, and to not be doing that uh, is is, you know, Shocking, really. So, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're in a tough time, but I think it will sort of, um, you know, the tide will turn eventually. I think football clubs go through spells sometimes, you know, and, and you have to ride it out for a, for a few years and things don't go your way. Um, I think we've actually been doing that now for quite a while and, and, and we're probably at one of the lowest points that we've been um, in terms of performances and, and, you know, the expectation from the group of players we've got, we should be doing a lot better, but... Um, there's only them that can get get us out of this, you know. We, we, we as fans can't do anything about that. They've got to, you know, find it within themselves um, to to dig the self and have that character and belief. Um, and then, and if they can't do that, then you know we need to get players in that can do that and and sort of reignite the the the, the team and then try and find the missing links to what we want to be. That's a successful club. Yeah. And again, you're right, it's no quick fix because you said there's stuff going on with the owners. There's uncertainty about the board. Like, there was uncertainty. Like, obviously, Richard Arnold's coming in. Is he going to be head of football where Ed Woodward was? We all know how he kind of failed in that role. Like, there's so much uncertainty in terms of this. And do clubs look at Manchester, do players look at Manchester United in terms of obviously your Mbappe's, your Haaland's, to Marco Verratti's players like that, you know, who are world class in these. And, the positions we need, they look at us and say, there's no Champions League there. This is a four or five year rebuild. Do I really want to go there when I'm in my best years in my career? Probably not. I think this is where United maybe need to be, like if Ralph Ragnick is going upstairs after this, and if you're going for a long rebuild, I think United scouting really needs to go out there. Maybe we could look for more gems. We don't buy these superstars and we make players. And you bring in a manager, maybe like a Pochettino or a Ten Hag, who we built for this rebuild, you know, after this, we see what they've done to individual clubs and what they've done with minimum money. Maybe we go down that route, you know, maybe go, don't buy the superstars. Maybe, you know, buy these unknown players. Clubs have done it in the past in England. Leicester are the biggest example. They bought Mares, Vardy, Kante for next to nothing. If you get your scouting right, then there's no, maybe yes, you buy the odd, 80 to 100 million pound player, but if you get your scouting right, you can buy him for half that or even less. So I think Man United need to maybe put more emphasis on the football side. Look, we'll see what happens, but it's just hard to say whether we're going to rebuild quickly again. You can't really pinpoint it and say, yes, this, this is how they're going to do it. It's just, it's confusing and it's frustrating at the moment. And again, as someone who loves the football club, you'd like to hope they have the best intentions, but Again, is the best in- intentions on spreadsheets. You know that's, you know that's the reality. But in terms of this game, obviously, like look, we're looking at the Villa game this weekend. And we, we're at the end of the show. We always do our 
starting eleven predictions and score predictions. I'm daring to say they start these starting eleven predictions and score predictions. Are any of us going to get these right? Because usually, Phil and Lear, they kind of get them right. Me, I haven't got one right all season. So, well, apart from the Chelsea game, I got one all. But apart from that, I've got nothing right. So let's hope 2022, new year, hopefully a new me, and hopefully some predictions right. So I'm going to go to Lee first. Um, give me your start at 11 and give me your score prediction following that. <laughs> oh, one, one sec. You're on mute there. One sec. Fire away. <laughs> right. Okay. This is going to be hard um, because it could be a, a number of anybody, couldn't it, who, who gets picked. So I've been trying to jot it down as we've been doing this podcast who I was going to go for. Uh, and I could... I could get half the team wrong if I'm being honest, but let, let's have a little go at it. I'm going to, obviously, we've got Dave, David De Gea in nets. I think, I'm not sure, but I think he may stick with Wambasaka at right back and Shaw at left back and give him one more chance. Whether they deserve it or not, I'm not sure, but that, that's what I'm going to go for. I think if Lindelof's fit, I think he's got to start. I think he's been our best centre, centre back probably now for a little while. Um, so I would start Lindelof. Um, I'd love to give Paul Jones another game. I think after after the other the other day he deserves another game. Unfortunately, I, I don't I can't see it happening. I think he'll stick Varane in the if um, if he's fit. So I think they'll the about four Bambasaka, Varane, Lindelof and Shaw. I think he's definitely if he's gonna play the same system, I think he's gonna put Scott McTominay and Fred in there. Um again, like I say to to try and try and nullify McGinn and Louise. Whether that will work or not, I don't know. But I can't see if you stuck any of a defensive midfield player in there, what we've got. I can't see him doing a better job than them two would do. So I think he's going to stick them in. It's kind of trade, um, isn't it? Like that's what you kind of have to do at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I tried Matic a couple of times and I don't think Matic has got the legs at all um, to, to, to match those midfield players, the, the attacking midfield players. So I think that's all he's got. Um, I think he's got to start Bruno. Um, Bruno looked dangerous when he came on the other day. Um, I just think Bruno's got a lot of bad habits which he needs to cut out. But again, he's definitely a, a, a most dangerous, most creative player. So I think he's going to start Bruno up there. I think it's a mixture whether he puts um, Greenwood in there or Rashford um, on on performances and you know on on who I think who deserves it out there. Them two, I'd definitely say I would play Greenwood. Um, Rashford's been way off pace since his, his comeback. Whether that's a confidence thing, I, I'm not sure. But if we're going off, you know, who deserves it in, in them two, I would definitely put Greenwood in there. And I think he'll stick with the same two up fronts of Cavani and uh, Ronaldo. I think he might be bang on with that lineup. Um, I think he may stick with the two. Now, I've, I've gone with something different in mind, but I'll. Um... I let Phil um, pick his lineup. Before I do that, though, can I get your score prediction, actually? Yeah, mate. I, you know, I'm normally optimistic, uh, but that's been knocked out in these last few weeks. Um, I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say we're going to lose. I'm not going to say that because I would never. I would never do that. But I think if we're lucky, and we'll have to be very lucky, I think we might scrape a two-one victory. If we're you're lucky. going two-one, if you're lucky, I think many Manchester United fans will take that right now. Just get into the next round and progress. Um, Phil, are you with the same system? Are you with the same group of players as Lee? Um, yeah, I'm same system. I, I actually feel though that um, after Phil Jones' performance the other night, I actually think he'll keep his place. I mean, 
you know, you've got Lindelof coming back from, from injury. Um who, yeah, obviously, and you know, over as well. He had injury angle. Yeah, so, so for me, I think you know he's he's been our probably most consistent centre back all season, Lindelof. And you know, if if we were just you know speaking about him in terms of you know who would you pick, Phil Jones or Lindelof, then it'd obviously be Lindelof. But I just feel as though because of the layoff he's had and what he's been out with, um, and off the back of a performance that Phil Jones has had, I actually think he'll keep him in, and and I think that'll do wonders for his confidence. Um. And for me, he was the only one, as I said before, that took any sort of real credit out of that game the other day against Wolves. So, for me, I think he's warranted um, keeping his place, and and I hope he actually does keep his place. So, I'm I'm going to say the same team as Lee, other than I think um, Jones will partner uh, Varane instead of Lindelof um, at the back, just because of the the layoff Lindelof had. Yes, it's, it's quite possible. Lindelof had both COVID and injury issues, so it could be a case he may be gradually brought back in. Um, for me, I'm going to go with what I, what I want to see. T- to be honest, I'd rather... I know it won't happen. I know he'll stick with his system. I'd rather go back to the 4 2 3 one if I'd be honest. So I think this system will get overloaded in midfield against Villa, and I think for me, if you go back to that formation for this game, we actually might win in, in terms of this. So... I'm going to go with keeper, obviously, Dave between the sticks. Um, I'm going to go with Dallow. Um, Lindelof, if he's fully fit and he's ready to go, then great. I go with Lindelof for Ann. But if Jones is, if, he, if Lindelof is not fit, I don't care if Harry Maguire is back, you go with Jones and Varane again. Because I think Joe you know, Jones did play well. And look, he deserves to get a game. Either way, Joe, you know, stick one to two of them in there. I'm going to go with Tellez at left back. Um, Again, just for his overall threat from set pieces, I think we could do do with that. We haven't scored a goal from set piece all season. I just want to score a goal from a set piece. We brought in a set piece coach a couple of months ago. We haven't got better at him, so you know, I'd like to think you know we get a goal from a set piece at some stage this season. Um, in the middle of the park, I go with McTominay and Fred as well. I think look, as Lee rightly mentioned, I think they're kind of the best out of a bad bunch at the minute in terms of our midfield players and. Look, we want to match um, their in- intensity um, though in terms of the way McGain and Louise play in midfield. Obviously, you know, uh, Jacob Ramsey might be in there as well, who's very direct as well. So I think in, in that regard, I think having them two in there will help. Um, I think Bruno, obviously, in the 10, I think, look, one thing that's hindered his game since Ragnick has come in is being out wide in kind of the, you know, the, these two attacking midfield positions and having to kind of drift. I think if he goes back into that kind of number 10 role and get on the ball and it, get on the ball, influence it a bit more, I think you know, we, we could do with that. Um, I will go Jaden Sancho um, on the... I'll go Sancho on the left. Um, I think obviously him and Greenwood can swap. I'm going to go Greenwood on the other on the other wing. Um, I think the two of them can swap obviously in, in interchange. Obviously, if Greenwood could drift out left even and try to put some balls into the box, I think I know it's not in his nature, but it would be something that maybe we could deal with, especially with Ronaldo up top. I think if we went with that, maybe we we can create more chances. But I think if we play this 4 2 system against Villa, we could get heavily exposed because the way they play in the field and the way they retain possession so quickly, I think we could be very exposed. And that's why I'd like to see us go back to the 4 2 3 um, on Monday. But look, if it's a case where... Do you know we go for a triple two? Let's just hope that we have some sort of discipline in midfield, that we don't you know 
be all over the place. Hopefully there's some sort of cohesion. Because if, if there's not, this team is well coached. They win the ball back and they hit us in the counter and they'll score. Danny Ings is a very good striker up top. They have Ollie Watkins as well, who's a, who's a workhorse up there, who will play off wing, Ings. And he'll be working to get them second balls. So, look, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Um, now, before actually I give my score prediction, I didn't get Phil's. So, can I get Phil? Can I get your score prediction um, for the game? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna sort of try and be positive because obviously I'm going to the game and I, and I don't want to sort of put a damper on it. I'm hoping I can bring a bit of luck. Um, obviously, not being for quite a while, so I'm, I'm hoping that I can be a bit of a sort of lucky omen and we can uh, have a positive result. I'm gonna say same as Lee. I, th- I think they will score. Um, just because of the threats they've got, and I think they've got a lot of quality in their team, so I, I'm going to go for two one as well, same as Lee. It's a full house of two ones. Um, I'm going to go two one as well, and on Are we change scorers as well. Or? You can if you want. I'm trying to think now myself. I wanted to go wild and go Phil Jones winner because I done him first goal score the other night and it didn't come off, but. And it was like 55 to 1, it was the first goal scored the other night. Um, if that came off, that would have been beautiful off a fiver bet. But, um, do you know I'm what? I love Greenwood and Ronaldo. You're gonna go Greenwood, Ronaldo. I'm gonna go Bruno and Greenwood, um, on Monday. And Lee, who's who's your goal scorer is going to be? I, I'd, lo- I'd love to say Fred, but I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> Uh, same as you, Keen. I've just had it in my head. I, I, Greenwood's way overdue. One, um, he's been he's been playing he's been playing quite well. Um, I think he's he's overdue a goal. I think he'll know that now. So I think he'll have his uh, his shooting boots on. So I think Greenwood will definitely definitely be trying to bag one. And yeah, I think we'll get a cheeky little one off Bruno. We hit the crossbar the other day, and he should you know it was a sitter. So he'll probably try and rectify that. So hopefully we'll get them two on it and uh, them yeah. two Bruno and Greenwood. Hopefully, if I get that reaction, if I get that, if I get that prediction right, I'll actually be coming on like Billy Big Bollocks next Friday. <laughs> Absolutely, first prediction right all season. I'll be coming on like I'm Mr. Absolutely. Well, look, that's the end of our podcast, guys. Thanks very much to both Phil and Lee for jumping on here. And the season looks not easy talking about Man United at the moment. I actually found tonight quite therapeutic. So first time talk about United in 2022 um, as a host. So look. For me, it's absolutely fantastic to kind of get everything off my chest in in terms of that. But for everyone watching the video, hit that like button in the video. Hit that subscribe button as well. Hit the bell notification just below um, Lee. And we've a lot of, we've a lot of podcasts coming um, in these next couple of weeks and months. A lot of new faces on Talk to Devils as well that you're going to see. So look, do, do make sure you hit that subscribe button, not only on YouTube, but also on our audio platforms as well. So we do have this podcast on many different outlets. So do check that out. But also check out our website at www.talkisevelous.co.uk for all your latest Manchester United news, articles. There's also a lot of great history there as well. So do check that out there. But thanks very much to everyone for watching this evening and everyone who was listening back on the replay. And look, let's go first and foremost that Manchester United can get their first win of 2022. And look... Let's just try to get out of the rock ring because look, we are one at the moment that we need to we need to pick up results quite quickly. So look, let's hope we can start that this Monday against Aston Villa in the FA Cup and hopefully the magic the FA Cup is on Manchester United side. But until then, guys, thanks very much everyone for listening today, and we'll see you next week at seven.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.